0: Yes. 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 Yes.
1: yes. Praise the Lord. Amen. (laughs) I feel like starting an election campaign. (laughs) It feels. (laughs) <laughs> it feels good to, to be here today and to be in the house and worship with every one of you. And uh, I also want to honor God for my leaders and my teachers and mentors who raised me in ministry, Pastor Ronnie and Margaret Meek, and I want to thank God for their presence. Let's give a clap offering to the gifts of God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. think no one can be more accurate than Jesus that there is no way no matter how good you can ever be and the problem is that that statement cannot be changed anymore that a student can never be greater than his teacher and uh, I I know that the reason is because no matter what you do in life they have invested in that and I'm thankful to the Lord for what they have meant over the years. In fact one of the things that I do regularly, is that we live in a password world today, <clears throat> and every time you apply for something, you are signing up for something, you got to create a password, and it's amazing how many times the nickname is in my passwords, <laughs> 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 And I, it, because I don't easily forget that, I can't easily, I can never forget that, so basically... Um, when I, to, to come here sometimes, once in a while, I have to do to go to the American embassy and they give me a list of questions on some of the applications. And the easiest one for me is your favorite teacher. And I say, Mick, that one, I won't forget it. So there is no way that document will get lost. <laughs> but it's also good to have all the pastors in the house. I honor you, servants of God, for all the ministry work that you are doing. This house is growing and God is faithful to his church. Hallelujah. And you can feel so much energy and grace that is expanding every day. And I'm sure this is happening all the way to the bank, too. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) We continue to grow in everything and also in the grace of giving. Hallelujah. God is good. This last few weeks back, there was a team from this church coming to Southern Africa. They had a wonderful time. Uh, during our national camp in Namibia, they also spent some time with our Word Festival camp in Zimbabwe. Pastor Bruce, Pastor Wayne, Fiona, and Claudia—what a joy having them! And we thank you for continuing to release them to be with us. Um, and Jesse is back home. I'm sure you had today is his birthday. <laughs> uh, He's still struggling to know whether this is home or Africa is now home, but. Uh, there is no problem with having both homes, and uh, I I want you to know that he did a wonderful job, and uh, we are grateful to the Lord for working a way for him to come back again to Southern Africa, and we, we believe that there are many doors for many of you. You know, I, I was teasing in the first service that I'm trying to work out a deal with Pastor Bruce, that the next time when he comes, uh, we can arrange to have all the single ladies being bussed all the way to Southern Africa because we got all so many brothers from that side of the world that really tell me all the time that we really want to get married that side, but somehow the Homeland Security need to work out a certain package for us to work this thing. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I believe that our relationship continues to be cemented of the Lord, and um, let's be prayerful about that and see how. How these things comes through amen <laughs> okay uh, I am beginning my sermon with a confession a of you know that confession is good for the soul and uh, a few weeks back I was thinking and meditating and I thank you for all of you who have been praying for me uh, I appreciate all the prayers and I've had so many people coming to me and telling me that we were praying for you and I thank you for that uh, <clears throat> I started meditating on the past, the, the, my, as my itinerary was shaping up and I was thinking, okay, uh, at Springhouse, I probably will share about worship. And then I follow Pastor Ronnie Facebook very closely every, almost every day when I am, when I do log in on Facebook. Uh, and I noticed that he was passing some remarks about how the messages were coming through and how Pastor Wayne had taught dynamically on worship. And suddenly, I started sweating. I realized that I'm not sure. I'm, and I, I found out that this had been going on for weeks. Pastor Bobby had also preached on taught on worship. And it's not very easy to find something remaining to preach when these two have taught on worship. <laughs> so, and because I've taught a story about Noah, that one day someone died and went to heaven, joined the service, and then Peter was presiding. Then he walked up to Peter and he said, you know what, sir, I would like to give a special testimony. Peter said, what is it about? He said, well, I, come from a, I came from a place on earth that was, had many frequent floods, and I think it will impact many lives and encourage them on some of the atrocities we went through and how God was gracious to us. And Peter said, are you sure you really want to give this testimony? He said, no, 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 I have to give that testimony. And Peter said, okay, I'll give you the chance to do that. But keep in mind that Noah is in the house. And uh, sometimes <laughs> you get reminded if you have a story about a flood, always remember that it may not be very easy for your flood story to, to be better than Noah's story. <laughs> so I am, I'm mindful of that today. But uh, at break time, Pastor Ronnie told me that I still want you to teach about worship. I know you have some So next time when I get some, my few minutes, believe me, we may stumble somewhere around worship issues. Amen. Right. But today, I want you to turn to the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 10. Uh, And uh, in the earlier service, I was talking about how sometimes from training, you are made to believe that it's prudent practice in hermeneutics to have a subject. And I, I, I didn't know what to give as a subject for this. But then I listened to a song that was done so many years ago. Many people have done it. Edwin Hawkins, Al Green, and Marvin Winans. I feel like going on. Kind of like like that song. Uh, and it's just an encouragement for everyone to know that even in the things of faith, we need to keep on keeping on. Amen. And uh, one, uh, one of the things I liked about the worship selection this morning is that song that says don't back down. I mean, it's like uh, you, you need to know that we are not in here for an excursion or a short trip. This is all for eternity. Amen. <laughs> and if you were to ask me 30 years ago or 25 years ago where I, we, whether we knew that this was going to bring us this far, I would not have known that but you realize then that we are stuck with each other for eternity. This is the thing that I have trained our church to know, that get used to me because I'm around for a very long time. It's, it's going to be difficult for you if you if you have issues with me and because I'm not changing and I'm not going to get out of here. I'm around for a very long time. So the easier way to overcome the problem is to get used to me. So, and I believe that, when you read everywhere, people are talking out there in the world about statistics that are showing that the church is, 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 is diminishing gradually and numbers are depleting and everything is disappointing. You know, you, you go online and you probably see some very strange figures even rising to levels like 75% or something like that. And you ask yourself, okay, are we part of something that is dying? I'm telling you that the church is not dying. And the church is here to stay forever, until the return of its master. Amen? And I believe that I would not be still preaching if I was part of something that is closing shop. Do you understand what I'm saying? I am around and doing what I'm doing because I really believe that the church will always be doing very well. Now, if you look at the service this morning, and if you were really awake and part of the service, I mean, you can be so sure that things are going on well. Now, how in the world could you possibly be thinking... And even crossing your mind that I don't think I, I I'll be part of the fellowship uh, two years from now or something like that. I mean, did you notice? Uh, Pastor Wayne is still singing. Did you see how the band was cooking? I mean, see this genius integration of hip hop and everything else sanctified and delivering so well. I mean, in the house. I mean, I I could see even some people. Brother Kek behind me. He was he was moving. I mean, it's like we're all into this thing. Church is happening. So Bible study is still as informative and edifying as ever. Singing and worship is still as dynamic as ever. Things are happening. Brothers are being nicer than ever before. I mean, I'm telling you that we're all enjoying each other, and grace is having its part, and nothing is failing. Few knuckleheads here and there, but nothing you can't live with. I mean, we are getting on well. Amen. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we are getting on well. We are getting on with one another. And, and it's, it's, it's wonderful to be in the house of God praise the Lord and so I, I I'm always encouraged by the words of David because he was the one who said one thing uh, have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek and that is to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and never saw the righteous for second he said I was young but now I'm old one thing I never saw never saw the righteous for second I mean for a guy who had lived that long and his in his entire life with all that he saw but he says I saw that I never saw the righteous being forsaken, nor their children begging for bread. So, I want you to understand that um, I really believe uh, in what I'm talking about today. It's deep in my heart. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, and let's read verse 39. Um, And verse 39 says, But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Uh, go back a little bit on verse 23. These, are, these three verses are key to understanding the ultimate challenge he's giving in this chapter. He says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spare one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And that day approaching is the return. Of our Savior. And sometimes I like the authorized version because it puts some statements rather very emphatically. He says, we are not of those who shrink back to perdition, but we are of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now I want you to say to your neighbor, I am not of those. Now say to the other one again and say, we are not of those. And sure enough, we are not of those that shrink back. We are not of those people that actually hold on to the faith, but discontinue or disengage after a couple of months or years. But we hold on, we believe to the end, even to the saving of the soul. And that basically is the message. When you look into this chapter, you notice that actually he had provided an explanation on the nature and the the kind of commitments of people that continue and survive this entire journey. It's a pilgrimage that many have walked before us. And I believe that if we continue in the same disciplines, we definitely inherit the promise together with all the saints. He says, let us hold on to our confession, as King James puts it. Let us hold on to our confession, for faithful is he that called you. And then secondly, he says, let us spare one another towards love and good deeds, and then the third part is, let us continue to assemble together as our habit, as some habit is, because this is the way how we encourage one another. And you need to understand that I do believe that these three key things are an answer to what it takes for us to keep moving on and keep going on in the faith. Because you need to know that you never go forward in faith or forward in the things of God unless you really believe that faithful is He that called you. You know, our entire Christian pilgrimage hinges on the understanding, the faithfulness of God. That the one who called us is actually faithful. We serve a God who none of his promises will ever fall to the ground. And because of that, I can't imagine letting go of God. I hold on to him even when all the elements and everything external is testifying against it. You know, for a little bit during my break time, I had to reflect back on the words that are in scripture relating to Sarah. The Bible teaches us that Sarah judged them faithful who had given the promise. The same nature of the faith of our parents, people like Abraham himself. The scriptures teach us that his body, the physical evidence was against the testimony of the word of God. God is saying that you're going to be a father of many nations. But nature and his ability and age and his birth certificate is testifying against that. It's saying that there is no way this is going to happen. But God's word says it will happen. Now what do you do when you are a person of faith? The scripture said he did not waver in unbelief. He trusted the promise and the testimony of the word against biological evidence. That's what people of faith do. Even though their physical testimony is arguing against the testimony of the word. But because we are a people of faith who understand the integrity of God. We stand with the promise of God against physical evidence. And even empirical evidence that is surrounding us. So the scriptures teach us that we serve a God who is so faithful. That none of his promises fail. And his ability to deliver cannot be doubted. Why? Because he is not subject to elements. That's the nature of the God we serve. When God gives you a promise, it's as good as anything. The Bible says that all his promises are yes and amen. That means it's done. Now, you know, uh, there's something that happens in Africa. It doesn't happen here. But whenever you talk to women, you discover that during their years of courtship, the brothers promised the paradise. And they told him, that the lady, that, you know what, lady, hang around with me. You will see what it is going to be. I mean, I'm going to change your world. It's not going to be like it, it was in your father and mother's home. I am the man. Stick around with me and we, you're going to see how it's going to be. Now, whenever you talk to most women, they are now mature enough to know that not less than one third of all those things happened. In fact, they have learned to actually kiss bye-bye to most of those things and realize that it's all right, it's all right, it's all right. We will make do with what we have but, and what it has turned out to be and we'll stick with that. But it happens in Africa. It doesn't happen here. But I tell you what happens is there's a very good reason why it turns out to be like that. Because it's not like the man is bad. No, 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 no. He actually, everything he was telling you, he meant it. The problem is that the man is under circumstances. So now the explanation is, you know, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for, because of, you know, if it wasn't for. So you are trained to live life understanding every apology that you are given. Why it didn't work out the way I promised. But the reason is very clear because man cannot deliver on everything that he tells you. The reason is because he does not have the ability to deliver. He's subject to circumstances. He's limited in his ability to deliver. That's what explains the difference between man and God. The scriptures say God is not a man to lie. Neither the son of man that he would repent or apologize. That's why I read the Bible. Not one day did I ever hear Jesus say, I am sorry. I'm very sorry. And you know, for to live life all your life and never say, I am sorry. That's hard. You must say, I'm sorry somewhere. Jesus never said that phrase once. And the reason is because he would always deliver on what he said. The word never fails. So the scriptures say, how can we let go of a God like that? How can we fail to hold on with all tenacity to a God who is so faithful? His faithfulness is proven to all our fathers. We have enough testimony in scripture to show us that those who went ahead of us held on to the covenants of God and his covenants were never broken. One of my favorite passages I was actually preaching that message in New York City one time and I was puzzled by a man whom I did not know that he's actually a student of a rabbi in the church. He walked up to me, he said, Brother Clopas, this scripture teaches us that since he could not find anyone greater, (laughs) he swore by himself. Why I love that scripture. It says that by by he sealed his promises to Abraham by two things that cannot be changed. His word because he cannot lie and his covenant because it cannot be broken. So the promises of God are sealed, sealed in those two things. And the scripture says when he vowed to him, he had to swear by himself. And he had to swear by himself because he could not find anyone greater to swear by. So God is that much committed to his word that no promise of his could ever be broken. This student told me that, my brother, I want you to understand that that statement is central to the faith and commitment of our people, the Jewish people, because they believe that our God is the God of other gods. Now you see, what happens is we serve a God who is a faithful God. The faithfulness of God is so real to a point that he actually commits It's in scripture, even by nature itself. Every day when you see the sun rising, God has just sent you a text message that I am faithful one more time again. I mean, every single day when seasons change, every time when you see all these things, it's another testimony again that I'm still faithful. He's a faithful God. You can't challenge the faithfulness of God. He remains faithful. So the scripture says, we're not of those that shrink back to perdition. We hold on to God. Why? Because faithfully is He that promised. The second thing is that we also lead to learn to spare one another towards good deeds. And that is important for us to realize that as God's children, we need to learn to encourage one another. And encourage one another that it can be done. Encourage one another that we'll go to the finishing line. You know, I said in the morning that I did not know the word spare, that's a funny word to use anytime in regular talk. But I found out that actually the word itself comes from horse riding. They say that when you ride a horse, they, on your ankle, they will tie something called a spare. And it's meant to keep the horse nudging it continuously that let's keep going on. And that kind of encouragement is what we keep between ourselves as saints. We continue to encourage one another that it can be done. People go through a series of misfortunes, things that are negative happening, but we still say to one another, brother, we can get to the finishing line. This thing can happen. Do not disengage. Keep holding on. God is still true. His word remains faithful. That's what Christianity is really all about. We encourage one another all the time. So you don't have these people in this church, but where I come from, I have them. And these people are so funny because they are people that I actually know in any church that when they accompany a new person, you will never see that new person again coming back. <laughs> and so they walk with the person and they start saying, oh, you know, so you came to Springhouse today. Oh, yeah. Where did you hear about this church? Oh, you know, you know. Yep. And this person is sincerely answering questions and he say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but you probably need to try a couple of others before you settle and choose it to be your home. There are people that say things in the house of God that will puzzle you. And in fact, almost assuring the guy who has come for the first time, that even me, I'm not yet very settled, but uh, I've been around, but uh, I'm still looking around. I gave the example of my daughter. We just moved our elder daughter to a new school very recently. She didn't like it. But my wife is very tough. She said, no, we gotta change school because you are having bad influence. The school, it looks like the grades are not that good. We need a new school for you, a new environment. So we moved there. This school is a very uh, sports inclined school. The new school is very academic and it's a science school. The first day, first day, she got there. One of the young ladies walked up to her and said, Hello, so you're new? Okay, which school were you before? She told her, I was at Cosley High School. The lady said, Cosley? You left Cosley to come here? Do you know what kind of a place? Meanwhile, this school is the, one of the top five best schools in the entire region. And yet, this girl is saying, how could you live? Because our daughter came back. She was, she was crying. I said, what's the problem, sweetheart? She said, Dad, do you know that the girls who are there actually want to go where I came from? And meanwhile, you are transferring me. Now, you see, this is the problem we have. Sometimes we have people like that in the house of God, too. And they are not encouraging you and sparing one another towards good deeds and love. I mean, everything that you do. There are some people that always find a reason to explain and something to say why it cannot be done. There is going to be a camp meeting for ladies. We don't have the money. Where do they think we have the money? How much is the fees? We have a mission trip to go to Kenya. How much, how much is it? I don't think I can. You know, all the time. They have always, and there are people that actually believe that they were raised by God to tell you why it cannot be done. you that it cannot be done. I don't think we can do that. I don't think we can afford that. How do you think we can? Maybe some of you, but some of us, you know, there are always some of you and some of us. Listen, you need to understand that we are called to spare one another towards good deeds. That's how we keep on keeping on. We continue on this journey because we encourage one another that it can be done. You know, yesterday I I, I did go to see one of the kids' uh, 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 was it i think it was on friday evening playing your your what what do you call it your football here I don't, uh, this whole thing is like a combination of rugby and wrestling at the same time and i asked it it's, it's it's a strange sport to me because we don't play that sport very much and I, in fact my question was where are the rules when does the, someone do the wrong thing because it looks like all the time you are stepping on top of anyone else and Suppose, But one of the things that I find is that they have people that are called cheerleaders. Now, considering how it is, I realize why you need cheerleaders. (laughs) Because you have to keep on encouraging this guy. I mean, this guy storms on top of you. But somehow you have to be cheered to keep on going on. And you need that because without that, you will remain lying down on the ground. But when you watch the number of ladies who are singing for you, drumming and stamping their feet in this, everybody's like, keep on, keep on, going on, keep on, going on. Now you see why those matches can continue the way they are? Nobody's like giving up because everybody is so encouraged that we can, even when you are losing, they even increase the sound and the volume and tell you that let's turn things around, gain some more yards back again. We got to reverse this whole thing. God's children needs that. Every one of us, we need that. And the scriptures teach us that if we live our life as a family of saints, encouraging and sparing one another towards good deeds, none of us will actually shrink back to perdition. We can hold on to the promises of God, knowing for sure that we're part of a body that continues to work together like that. The third thing that you see is that it says, let us keep the habit of assembling together. Now, if you don't know what that means, it means go to church. In simple English, it means do not have the habit of staying away from church. Now, some of you have more reasons why you should not be in church than in church. We are living in a country and a culture that is very strange. I was sharing with people in the morning that I came one time called to make a contribution in Denver on people that are supposed to be experts. And many of them were actually sharing on how we can help Christians to stay away from the church. And how they can survive without association with the fellowship of saints. I don't understand that. Why would you do that? Christians must always appreciate coming to church. Now, believe me, in the church, they are difficult people, and I I know about that, but it doesn't matter how much nasty they may be, keep coming to church. Now, you know what? Many of you need to remember that all these people were not raised by your mother. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not a hard thing to understand. That there are different people in the house of God and each one behaves differently. And that's how you survive in the church. By recognizing the fact that we are all different. And we come from different situations, different backgrounds, different... That's how it is. But finally, here we are, put together in the house. And do you know, that's why the book of Hebrews, the commonest phrase you find is, let us. It's putting a collective obligation on all of us. Let us. Let us. Let us. Which means let's do it all together. Now, and I... I met a woman in Philadelphia one time, and after preaching, she came over to me. She was shaking my hand. She said, Pastor, I appreciate this conference very much, and you're speaking and everything else. She said, I never come to church unless there is a conference like this one. I said, really? She said, I am tired of the church. Have you ever heard people who say that? <laughs> I said, what do you mean you're tired of the church? She said, I'm tired of this church. I'm tired of the church. Never get tired of the church. Say, what is your problem with the church? And she starts naming some people that are there who are very impossible. And you know what I said? You know, the funny thing is that in church, God already has a problem with them, but he keeps coming every week. (laughs) That's why God is never absent from service. Every week he's here. Now, when we come, do you notice that when we start the singing, the presence of the Lord descends upon us? But do you know that there are some of you who are worse than Corinth, but God still comes anyway in the house of God. And he still comes because of the fact that God does not dwell on our problems. And so I said, how do you live then your Christian life? She said, well, I wait for special conferences. And then I wake up every morning and I watch TDJX at 6 a.m. on television. These television Christians, I don't understand them. How can you be a member of a tube? You cannot be part of an assembly on television. You need human beings and interaction and relating in the family of saints. You need to come to church. And she said, no, 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 I watch T.D. Jax. He's very edifying. His messages are very powerful. And I asked their question. I said, you do that every day? She said, yes. And I said, have you ever noticed that when you are watching T.D. he will be in church? <laughs> now, you are watching a guy who is in church and you are not in church. You need to know that you need to be in church. Let me tell you, my brothers and sisters. Many of you, and I, I didn't say this to anyone earlier on. Do you know that you were raised, many of you, your great-great-parents, they grew their own food. They processed it. They actually worked on it every week. They harvested the crops. They processed the food. And then they had to have it in their homes, prepared meals as usual, rinsed their clothes with their own hands. There was no microwave. There was no dishwasher. There was none of all those things. And yet they were in church every week. And you have all these things. And you tell me you don't have time. And that is amazing. And you tell me you don't have time to come into the presence of God. And yet, they came every week they were in church. We must not stop the habit. And the scripture calls it a habit. Which means it's something that you must maintain consistently every time. Assembling together with the saints. And that's what the Bible teaches us that we should do. And when we do these things, the Bible teaches us that we are able to retain the strength of keeping on. Keeping on as God wants. Do you know the scripture makes many challenges and encouragements of endurance. The Bible teaches us that in the last days, one of the common things is that they will not endure sound doctrine. We are living in a generation that is losing patience on one thing. And there is always a desire to see new things. And we must change this. We must remove that. And we must remove that. And I want to say to you that the pressure of a pagan culture is what America, the church in this country is struggling with. We have too many voices that are not even in the church. They are putting too much pressure on the church. That the church, sometimes you find many people who think that to be a Christian is being non progressive. So you have all these words all the time. Everybody's liking to be looking progressive. Progressive Republican, progressive Democrat, progressive this, progressive that. We want to look progressive all the time. I have no problem with being progressive. Do you understand that? I believe in being progressive. Be progressive as much as you want. Buy the largest and newest television you want, but keep the faith. Have the latest galaxy of all the galaxies, but keep the faith. I'm not asking you whether you should keep your car or change your horsepower, but keep the faith. I am saying that when it comes to the faith, we hold on to the faith as it was handed down to us. So the scriptures teach us that, keep the faith. Jude teaches us that, content for the faith, as it was once handed down To us, which means the fathers gave it to us in its purity. And as we received it, we keep the same Judeo-Christian values that we retain. We hold on to that no matter what the politician is saying. The pressure of the culture is too much on the church to a point that many people feel like we are supposed to do the same thing. Last night, uh, the Wimsets are very gracious sometimes. Some, they want me to always see some of the latest, what do you call, uh, movies that are coming on. They know that I come from Africa. I miss too much. And then by the time when I come here, I don't know what happened. Who, what's, what happened? So they say, okay, well, then they told me that, oh, did you know that we don't have video, what, what is it called, blockbuster, ra- renting place for videos anymore? I said, what do you have? He said, oh, we have smart TV. What is smart TV? The TV is the rental store, everything now. So we gotta turn it on, and it will tell us how many movies are available. We click some few buttons, pay somebody, and that's it. Finally, we sit down and we—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, what, what, what do you call it? Streaming. Goodness. When in Africa, when we talk about streaming, somebody's in the river. Now they're talking about streaming—the fact that we're watching a movie. So here I'm sitting downstream and I'm thinking to myself, in one year, the the video clubs closed the shop. Last year they were there. Twelve months later, there is no more. And there are many of you in your psych, you think that we should do that at church all the time. Maybe we should close this, close that, remove that. Why don't we do this? You You have no idea how many things and how much pressure comes from the culture. I came all this way to tell you that say it out loud. We are not of those. Say I am not of those. Those who shrink back to perdition, we hold on to the faith. No matter what anyone else is saying, we keep the faith as it was handed down to us. And uh, I shared a little story, and I'm closing, about what happened when we started starting churches in the United Kingdom. And I'll never forget coming to this building in a place called West Bromwich, just in the periphery of the inner city of Birmingham. And here we had a building that we had been looking at, and we had sent applications, and we wanted. Lovely place. And I remember walking in, and there was an Englishman and a woman. They were in the office. They said, oh, okay, we were waiting for you. What exactly do you do? I said, well, I preach the gospel. We plant churches. That's what we do, and this is what we're going to be doing here. And uh, I was holding my checkbook. My wife was with me. And eventually they said, well, in this place, we have strict rules. We don't want regular payments. We want one long payment for a little while. So gave me the bill, said, we want 1,600 pounds if you're going to take it for this. We gave them the money. And I could see that the man kept looking at me. I think in his mind, he was thinking, what an insane African. Why would he waste all this money? What, what did you say again you do? I said, we plant churches. We preach the gospel. We came here because I'm, I want this building and I want to be start preaching in this place. And we're going to be. Well, the first week, people came. We had a wonderful church. Second week, you know, I think even in the third week, the next thing that happened, we had a snowstorm. Nobody came. I still drove to church with my wife and we were there. We stayed there the whole time that we had rented the facility. We worshipped. We prayed. My daughter sing. One of them plays keyboards now and we, we play. We worshipped. Closed the service and went home. Next week, same thing. Nobody came. So it was us. Again, my wife, my children, and we sang, we worshiped, we prayed. And as I was walking away, the man called to me and he said, excuse me, sir, can I have a word with you? I said, yes. He said, I just needed to ask you something so that you know that, let's say that one of the weeks you choose not to come. And if you decide to do that, I want you to know that I can save you some money because what we can then do is that we can postpone your appointment to another Sunday. I said, I looked at him and I said, it will never happen. He said, what? I said, there will be no Sunday that I will call you and say, we are not coming to church. We will always be here. I mean, the guy, I think he thought, this guy must have lost his mind. No, I did not lose my mind. We are never, we never find a reason not to be here next Sunday. Do you understand what I'm saying? No, we don't. And sure enough, if it wasn't for the fact that we kept on coming, if it was raining, we kept on coming. Today, all those chairs have people. We even have a building in the same area because of the fact that we kept holding on. And we did not let go. We did not close shop. We did not say, oh, no one came. You always have people, oh, this is very discouraging. No one came this week. How can we continue? I said we continue even when no one is there. We continue. It doesn't matter whether. We don't check the weather before we go to church. We go to church. Hallelujah. And I believe that that is the joy that we should have. And the more we keep that, the more you realize that with the vigor, there is something about assembling together the power and the energy of saints in worship together. It's awesome. It's never the same with one guy trying to convince you that I achieved the same result by myself. No, 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 no. You can't achieve the same result by yourself Inasmuch as as a musician cannot make music with one string on a guitar. You need to know that you need others. And it's something about togetherness. So the scriptures teach us that hold on to the faith. That's all I came to tell you. That God wants you to hold on to the faith. Everything that we are seeing today, everything that we are hearing in the news, the pressure is so much on the church today that, I mean, comedians spend nights mocking believers. They are giving. The fact that all oh, your money is getting wasted, all this, all those things are sucking into us every day, trying to make us have doubt on and faith in the church until you hear people say, I am tired of the church. We never get tired of the church. We are church members forever. Even through eternity, we will always be part of the family of saints and those that received the promise. The scriptures say about the fathers who went ahead of us, Hebrews chapter 11, it's all about that. The book of Hebrews talks about that many times. And it teaches us that they lived by faith. And the Bible says they died in faith. The Bible says they did not even receive the promise. They saw the promises from afar off. They apprehended them from a distance. They identified with the promises of God, even though they physically did not hold them. Why? The Bible teaches us that through faith and endurance, they received the promise. Through faith and what? Endurance. They endured difficult times when their faith was challenged. They still kept holding on to the faith. Now you can lose everything, but hold on to your faith. Your environment and your world may collapse, but hold on to the faith. America's economy may go down but hold on to your faith your politics may turn tipsy hold on to your faith you should not lose your faith because your faith is the reason why this country is the way it is and when we lose that we lose all the other things that still come along with it you need to understand that we are not of those that shrink to perdition we hold on to the faith even to the saving of the soul that is what I believe we are stand up we are just about to pray praise the lord no matter what you know when i grew up i was i came to the faith as a young boy and i would stand up in church and i will never forget that during times of testimony. And I would always say, I thank God that I'll be a Christian all my life. One of the elders didn't like that very much. And he would always say, how can you be sure? What about if the beer will be so nice in future or the women will be so pretty that there is no way you can stay in church? I said, well, that's all the testimony I know. They forgot that they had taught me Psalms Twenty-three, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Hold on to your faith. That's what God desires for every one of us. And we should never lose our faith. This country can lose many things. We can lose a lot of things. Most of the things that you think we have, we can easily lose them. Without you, it's so easy. But our faith should stand. And do not shrink back to petition. But keep holding on to the promise. Let's pray to the Lord. Father, we are so thankful that you called every one of us from different walks of life and you brought us into the family of saints. Today we can stand in your presence and we say we are not of those that shrink back to perdition, but we believe and hold on even to the saving of the soul. And I pray that today if there are those who are weary, they may find strength. Those who were struggling may be revived in them. To realize that all your promises are still true. And you never fail on anything that you have promised. We can hold on to you and trust you all the way. Like all the fathers of faith that went ahead of us. May your name be glorified. And may you help us every single day as we sojourn in this pilgrimage. To remain looking unto you. In Jesus name. Stay here for
0: a moment brother. Uh, Most of you know... Josh Osborne, and uh, he's a young man in his early 20s, and he's a remarkable young man. Uh, He's in Vanderbilt Hospital. uh, He's got a blockage in his colon that they're having to do surgery on tomorrow, and uh, he's had so many medical issues. We just need to lift him up. We need to pray for him, and I want you to pray for him. Uh, Hopefully, he's watching right now uh, online. If not, I'm sure he'll be able to see this later. His name's Josh He's having surgery tomorrow, and he needs a touch from God. Will you pray for him, my brother? Yes. Praise the Lord. Oh, Let's hold on pray. Just a second. Vanderbilt's that way,
1: so yeah. Praise the Lord. I came out of surgery a couple of weeks back. God is faithful. Father God, we bring Josh in your presence right now. Yeah. The saints raise their hands in their faith. We pray for our brother. In that hospital in Vanderbilt, right now, we ask you to extend your hand of healing to him. We thank you, Lord. Extend your hand right now. May your healing power flow through every nerve, every cell, and every tissue of his body. Father, we stand in your presence today. We still believe that you are the healer. We still believe that by your stripes we are healed. We still believe that you send your word and it heals. Right now in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray wellness. We pray, Lord, that you would guide this procedure. We pray divine intervention. We pray, Lord, that you would touch his body. We thank you even for the medical team attending to him right now. In the name of Jesus, that uncommon favor will come in the room and divine energy will descend in that place around that bed. May God come through in that theater and may you do the necessary work that needs to be done in order to bring wellness to our brother. In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you that you are our healer and we stand on your promise of healing knowing for sure that you are the great physician. Rafa, we believe in you. Father, work a miracle for our brother. Thank you for bringing wellness to him. And we speak that divine health in his life right now. And we thank you that this atmosphere may be charged with your presence and may you guide the process to the glory of your name. And for all this may you receive glory in Jesus name. Amen. Main standing.
0: We're going to do two things right now. Uh, those who are going to pray with people, our elders and their wives and all, if you'll come forward. And then if, if the ushers, just bring, just bring the offering baskets and put them down here. Scripture says that if someone shares spiritual things with us, it is right for us to share material things with them. And so this isn't a matter of if you want prayer, bring your offering down here. Those are these two separate things that are going on. But uh, if you would like to to sow spiritually, if you'd like to sow materially into our brother, his ministry, every penny that's given this will be going to Brother Clopas, uh, then I invite you to come down and and bring an offering. If you need prayer, uh, come down. These who are already here would love to pray with you. We'll worship for a few moments. We'll wait for you. God, will do something for you. know what I like getting old because when I was young I didn't know what God was going to do with Clopas now that I'm older I get to see it and I don't know what he's going to do with a bunch of you but the older I get the more I get to see that's great I like getting old in the kingdom yeah especially since I know that you know I'm gonna get my other body back one of these days, actually a better one than the one I had. Yeah, raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who sent his Son into the world so that we might have life and have it to the full, may he, may he empower you and enable you to be among those who do not draw back, but those who hold fast to the faith. May you be strengthened in this through our Lord Jesus Christ, amen.